We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Who would have thought we'd have news podcasts to record relating to the Brooklyn Nets in freaking June? Well, it's June my time, and June probably by the time listeners are listening anyway. Yeah, true. Probably June. And it's not even the first one we've done, too, which is crazy. Nope. It's just like the rumors are very heavy right now for the Nets. All different fronts, talking draft, free agency, whatever it may be. As always, check us out. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTG Basketball, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But Jack, I'm a passive you. So, Nick, obviously the Kyrie Irving rubing, a rumor has gained uh, extra traction throughout the week thanks to uh, Rick Buecher who went on uh, the Colin Cowherd show. Uh, obviously, you know, Kyrie obviously has bought a house in uh, South Orange, New Jersey, um, which, funnily enough, I did the Google Maps directions to. Um, it is still, you know, an hour drive to the to the Brooklyn Nets training center, so it's not necessarily next door. You know, New Jersey is a large uh, area of the the tri-state area, from what I know. Um, I'm not necessarily. I'm just looking. I'm trying to delve deep into this this Kyrie Irving room a little bit. But um, what were your thoughts on uh, on the whole Kyrie Irving um, saga that it seems to be surrounding the Brooklyn Nets right now? Yeah, I'll start with the house thing. I mean, I think it does have some importance, but it also could mean nothing because he obviously is from New Jersey and players buy multiple houses all the time, especially when you're expected to cash in on a major contract. But I think it's pretty big, to be honest. Even if the Nets do not sign Kyrie Irving, the fact is that they're the quote-unquote favorite to land him at this point in the year. You know, obviously it's about to be June. There's only 29 days or 30 days until free agency starts or before meetings start. The fact that the Nets are already gaining leverage will only kind of help their rep in terms of other players. So the fact that Kyrie Irving, top three, top five point guard in the NBA, one of the best players in the league, somebody who's been to an NBA championship, has hit clutch shots to win an NBA championship, wants to come to your team. I think there's really no way to look at this in a negative light unless you're just nitpicking. 
Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I remember the, just having the, the random sporadic moment in my head when we were doing a pod, I think it was with Will, or I can't remember if it was with you, um, but Will, I was just like, was yeah, and I was just like, hmm, Kyrie Irving. And I, I remember, because I remember having this thought as I was just driving around, as you do, because like, when I'm normally driving, I'm listening to, to podcasts, whether it's a Brooklyn Bars or anything on OTG or something along those lines. And I was just like, hmm. Kyrie Irving with D'Angelo Russell, would this be the worst thing in the world? And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously there would be uh, some plenty of negatives to it, but you need to have talent on a roster. You need to have high-level talent. And Kyrie Irving, yes, um, he might not be better than Damian Lillard, um, despite what Corey, <laughs> Corey thinks, and I'm obviously a, a bigger Dame fan. Um, but he is a, a championship-proven player. He's hit in one of the biggest shots for a franchise in their history. He was poor in this postseason. Um, I'm not sure how much you put that down to, to his mentality, to, to where his head was at, to his teammates. Uh, but a lot of the brunt of the blame does go on him. You know, him holding his own team. You know, obviously, there wasn't a lot of, you know, talent, the offensive talent around him to be able to step up. But, you know, the Nets are now the, the odds-on favorites to, to land Kyrie Irving, which was something that's been brought up and, and, and furthered by a lot of other speculation. But, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily thought it just because, you know, the, the Nets valued D'Angelo Russell so highly. And it was always like, it's D'Lo or it's Kyrie. But then this sort of, you know, the his, his, the former coaches come out of the two players, start to come in and say, well, look, I think these guys could, could, could coexist and thrive. And I remember Bleacher Report initially posted that as like, you know, that people within the Nets organization. And I remember because it came from a from a from an article from Brian Lewis, who is one of the best Nets writers out there. Um, and he was saying, you know, it wasn't the, the comment from the Nets organization that thought they could thrive. The Nets organization thought that they were warming to the idea. What it was the coach who said that why can't these two players, you know, obviously the former high school coaches to, to Kyrie and D'Angelo, why can't they thrive together? You know, D'Angelo can play off the ball a little bit. You know, someone commented on my tweet um, where I was posting about D'Angelo. Russell shooting up, putting up some shots in Madrid. You know, he's already working on his off-ball action. He um, really has, though. I, I was actually going to tweet that when I saw that video. <laughs> he's been doing a lot of off-ball work. You know, maybe that's Kyrie Irving or maybe that's just playing with Spencer and Karras, but he's a little good off-ball. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, and I think Kyrie Irving as well has proven, he played alongside LeBron James, who has the ball in his hands. He won a championship uh, off-ball. And, uh, and I mean, you have to be, if we're talking about, I'll, I'll put it to you, Nick. Obviously, you know, this is just more, I, I don't want to get into the, to the nitty gritty of what Kyrie Irving would look like on the Brooklyn Nets because he hasn't signed. I don't think that it's, it's worth going down that route. But I think it's worth pondering, you know, would you rather have Kyrie Irving or would you rather have like Tobias Harris? Um, or like somewhere along that, those sort of lines. Kyrie Irving is a far better player, but he doesn't fit you know, the fit perfectly. Whereas Tobias Harris is that sort of perfect fit. You know, you give him the max contract. He's your, your prototypical 3-4 guy, plays next to D'Angelo Russell, doesn't need the ball in his hands as much. Um, who would you rather have in that sort of, you know, sort of scenario? Or do, is there a, a world where you can have both? I'm, I'm sort of just free balling here and it's sort of an unprompted question I know. I think uh, you look at it this way. I think if you're going to look at a championship team, usually championship teams either have, you know, one of the best players in the league or some of the top players in the league, and they have guys at great value on their contracts. You know, is that playing a superstar max and the guy actually deserving a max? Or is that, you know, getting Joe Harris for whatever we were talking about, $8 million and Spencer Dinwiddie for his amount? So I think that's what you're looking at. So in that situation, just from a team-building perspective and looking at the big picture, I think you'd rather sign Kyrie Irving to a max because you're more confident that he can live up to that expectation with Tobias Harris 
you don't know. It's an unknown if he'll be a max type player. Yeah, people say look to the Clippers, but in the playoffs, he wasn't as great. And you could always make moves with other players on your roster or even trade Kyrie. But if you're overpaying Tobias Harris, it's going to be harder to trade somebody who's being overpaid. Yeah, and that's what I think in in the Boston Celtics sort of realm of thinking. You would rather, and I think this has been talked about a lot, you would rather sign the guy so you have the asset and yep. then you can trade it. Um, so if I was the Boston Celtics, oh, that's what I would do. And and similarly with Kemba Walker, you can't let Kemba Walker walk. And obviously that's a different conversation. I don't think Kemba, Kemba Walker's had very, very minor rumors of, of him heading to the Nets. And um, this, this it seems to be growing traction. And, and I'm not sure why, because... You know, Rick Buecher, who seems to be, you know, one of the masterminds behind it with Mark Stein. Mark Stein, I think, is a little bit more of an accredited source. Um, So I I think I would probably buy what Mark Stein's saying. And I like what he was sort of saying with the fact that, you know, him and and Kevin Durant are a package deal. They're thinking about Brooklyn very heavily. And I think he was in an interview, I can't remember if it was Stephen A. Smith or someone else, where he was going to say something else, but then he gets cut off um, by the the interviewer. But Stephen A. Smith, most likely. It was definitely Yeah, it was probably him too. And we didn't even really talk about how just Kyrie saying he wants to be on the Nets is a positive because it could lead to KD. And, And that's the thing, like... Obviously, the, the the Kevin Durant to Knicks thing seems nearly fade a complete. Um, but I, but I'm not sure if if it necessarily is. I don't think anything is set in stone right now. I think the reason why Kyrie Irving is getting you know the the, the large majority of you know the, the the speculation and rumors is because right now he's the number one free agent on the market who isn't playing basketball. Kevin Durant becomes that guy you know once the offseason hits. Kyle, Kawhi Leonard becomes that second guy once you know they stop playing basketball. Um, but in terms of, you know, Rick Buecher as a source, um, someone on Twitter said, and I'm, I'm going to quote directly from him, from them, Buecher first claimed that Kyrie will be with the Knicks. He then claimed in April that there was no chance he was going to sign with the Nets. He then stated that he wants to play with LeBron, and now it's the Nets. Obviously, the Lakers rumor has been growing traction, but I did remember Jackie McMullen, who is quite close with Kyrie in terms of as close as he can be with a reporter, said that she just can't see it happening. Obviously, there's that whole, you know, big bro kid comments that were made by LeBron in the offseason. Um, obviously, you know, he was in LA. But it seems to me right now that the Lakers and, and the Nets have usurped that the Knicks has been that sort of number one destination. And I think that um, I can't remember whether people were saying, whether, you know, he was a Knicks fan when he was younger. But then he, that was refuted. And, you know, he lived in New Jersey. He was a Nets fan. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think that... So, I mean, you know, he's up, maybe maybe that's the reason why he goes back to the Lakers as well, um, to an extent. You know, the, <laughs> I, the Jason, the, I mean, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't want to play with Jason Kidd. I think that you know, there's a lot of things happening wrong with that Lakers organization, um, and we could do you know plenty of time on that. And, and it's wonderful because DeAngelo Russell is out of that, and he would not be thriving in that organization. That is for sure. But um, DeAngelo Russell and Kyrie Irving, Nick, in terms of what, how. How does it work? We don't have to delve into the nitty-gritty of the defensive schemes, you know, how, how it works on court and off court, um, the, the personality types. I think just more overarching, you know, before we get to, to a final topic about some other Nets news. How does this work? If the Nets were, you know, hypothetically speaking, you know, your ideas can change. I know that, you know, mine have, and I think that that's just what you do as just an observer, a fan, and, and an NBA pundit in general. You can change opinions. And I think a lot of people... Uh, are pretty steadfast in their opinions, but I know that you are a person who likes is pretty open minded when it comes to a lot of things, basketball and outside of that. So, what like have how have your thoughts changed over this process of the sort of Kyrie Irving rumors? 
Well, just quickly, I just wanted to touch on, you mentioned uh, Rick Buecher, and I'm not saying he's a good source because I think he's kind of like a 50-50 type guy. Like you mentioned, Mark Stein's definitely more credible. I would say one reason Kyrie could have changed his mind is because of what happened in the playoffs, him really realizing that he needs a good supporting crew to actually win in the playoffs. He can't just go to a team like the Knicks and maybe would just Kevin Durant expect to win. But to touch on how have I changed on the Kyrie D'Angelo, you know, possible project or whatever you want to call it. I think it puts yep. a lot of pressure on Kenny Atkinson because – you know, obviously he has two really good players, both very good with the ball in their hands. But the real question is, what do you do defensively? And I think, you know, I could grow to the idea offensively because I think it could work. I could think D'Angelo could be more of a point guard. Kyrie could be more of that pure score that we saw in Cleveland when they won a championship, like we mentioned earlier. I'm not really worried about the offensive end. I know people are saying one ball, but whatever. They'd probably lead to them trading Dinwiddie, sad to say, this Karis Avert or somebody like that because you probably wouldn't want four dominant ball handlers, but who knows? The Nets could go a different round and look to add a lot of playmakers and have somebody, a lot of guys on the floor that can do everything. So I'm not ruling that out of the, the possibility, but I think the most important thing would be if you sign Kyrie and D'Angelo as your starting backcourt moving forward, you would need to have at least one elite defensive player and two other really, really good defensive players behind them. Yeah, and you know whether you add Morris and Karis Avert and Jared Allen, that's your sort of starting five. And um, I, I think that you, obviously the defense would leave something to be desired, but in today's day and age, you know, offense, you know, a good offense usurps any sort of good defense. Maybe the Toronto Raptors are making me eat my words in that sort of respect with the amount of, you know, defensive talent that they have on their roster. Um, but I think you sort of, you know, alluded to the fact with Coach Kenny, you get talent and you let the coach do the rest. Um, and I, and I think that guys and, and fans that are sort of talking about, oh, well, this is Delo's team now. Why would we need Kyrie? And, you know, but if we have Dilo, we're giving him a max deal, we're giving Kyrie a max deal. Like, well, what's the point going forward? Um, I think that you would rather just have a high-end talent on, on the market. And um, obviously, there's injury history with Kyrie Irving and the like. But um, this won't be the last time we talk about it, Nick. Were there any final thoughts before we move on to our final topic? I think you just look at it as you're adding two really, really good scores. You're not adding two good scores. You're adding two top-of-the-line score guys that could drop 40 in a game or drop 20 in a quarter. Just having that ability, ability offensively could be huge. And you just look at different things in the playoffs, and I think you look at guys that are just really tough to defend. And I don't think that either guy is going to, like, be that much worse playing with another guy who likes the ball in his hands. If anything, it's just going to be a lot of attention because both Kyrie and D'Angelo can hit shots from anywhere on the floor. Exactly. And that's, you know, they are incredible players, incredible shot makers. And when we sort of talked about on, on, on pods and, and in general, when it led to Joe Harris, um, when you have extra shot makers, it makes it easier for other shot makers on your roster. Um, and it could really help our, our offense in a, in a really, really, really positive way. And um, funnily enough, that was the area where we, we struggled more last season. So yeah, um, I think that's a guaranteed top 10 offensive ad, both those guys, just because there's just so much fo offensive firepower and Kenny has the ability, I think, to adjust and try to make the system work. And even with the system they have, I still think they could find ways to make it really impactful. Just having, like you said, two shot makers, like they make shots everywhere. Yep. And watch this space. It'll certainly be something uh, that we'll be talking about, no doubt, for weeks and months to come heading into free agency in July. But uh, Nick, the other sort of big news to come out, obviously not as big as the Kyrie Irving sort of drama, um, was the fact that the Nets uh, seem to be focused on planning to draft a backup big in relation to uh, Jared Allen uh, in this year's draft. What were your thoughts on that? And one thing I want to speak about a little bit. Have you, has it been weird for you to see Nets leaks and such? Because, or 
as this now just commonplace in the NBA? Because it was sort of one thing that we spoke about just in the season in general, that the Nets were just so tight shipped that the, you didn't expect anything to come out and trades would just come out of nowhere like the D'Angelo one. Is this surprising to you in any sense? Uh, I think maybe some of it is just, you know, there is some turnaround in the front office, new people coming in, people leaving, things might have got leaked that way. But I don't think any of it's really been major leaks. Like, it hasn't been anything where it's like, the Nets' top three targets this offseason are, you know, Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Kyrie. Like, it's not like anything like that. I think even the drafting stuff, you know, people could say, oh, the Nets are looking to do this just because they see the Nets paying a lot of attention to a lot of young bigs in the draft. So I think some of it is could be speculation. I'm not that concerned. It is a little bit more, but also it just comes with the Nets having more hype. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, people want the news now a little bit more, and people will be willing to kind of cross another line to get that news. Yeah. Um, in, in, in respect to the, to the recent reports that came out via um, Ian Begley, SNY, um, what are your thoughts on the Nets drafting a big? Um, do you think that that should be the focus heading into this draft? Obviously, that there's you know plenty of talent there. Um, obviously, there's a lot of top-end talent. And once it gets down, I, I think that drafting for need isn't necessarily a, a bad decision. But um, you know, I don't think that you necessarily want to go all out and go, oh, well, we're just going to get the next best big on the board, especially if there's guys like, I don't know, Grant Williams still available, who I'm you know somewhat high on and you know, a lot of the guys that, you know, Matt and, and Dylan and Dalton Dalton are doing some great stuff at OTG. But what are your thoughts on the sort of, you know, emphasis on, on drafting another big? We actually brought this idea up when we were discussing what the Nets should do with the draft picks. And I've felt like drafting a, a backup big made sense, especially when you have three picks. You know, I wouldn't do it with the 17 pick. I'd probably do it with one of the two later picks or whatever happens in a trade. I think that's an area you go to. And it's an area that you might not be able to fill in free agency or it's somebody that could be that third big on your roster, which we saw was an issue this year. You know, maybe aren't looking for that rookie to have impactful minutes this year, but in a long-term project, you have that backup big, or at least you have another big box you could throw out in the playoffs if your backup center's injured like Ed Davis was. Guaranteed, and it's already starting to make the waves, Nets Twitter is going to be all over Oregon's bowl bowl. All yeah, over him. I've seen a lot of attention on there. And to be honest, if the Nets aren't looking for the pick to contribute right away, it, it makes sense. He and there, had, there was actually a recent video of him. You know, he's recovered um, and he's training now. He's dunking, he's, he's dribbling, he's doing all those sort of things that you want to see heading into the draft. Um, obviously, uh, any sort of injury heading into, um, you know, the draft time is, is something that you, you, you're wary of, but it doesn't, it doesn't worry the Nets and their training stuff in terms of their ability to, to get their guys right. So it almost seems like, you know, fate and, and in terms of the, the, the stars aligning with a guy like Bol Bol, you know, maybe to be taken with that 17th pick or someone a bit later because he's one of the more, you know, uh, in terms of upside in terms of this draft. And, you know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of and reading a lot of the content that the guys have been putting out at OTG. You know, he's one of the more talented guys in that sort of respect. But I would be just as happy, you know, a guy I mentioned in Grant Williams who is like a sort of PJ Tupper, PJ Tucker, PJ <laughs> Tucker, Travion Graham sort of, you know, big guy who can isn't necessarily, you know, um, you know, it's six foot ten, but it's six foot seven, eight-ish, and can play. You know, four and five. Um, obviously, maybe not straight away heading into the league, but there's you know some other guys out there. But those are the sort of guys that you know with that sort of seventeenth pick that I'm sort of drawn towards. Um, if we were to take a big with that first pick, um, and in the later picks, you know, you can obviously pick plenty of other guys, and there's a lot of plenty of mocks happening out there, and, and plenty to check out at ogdbasketball.com too. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, when it comes to the draft and it comes to any sort of talent, you draft what is the best thing available at that. And 
um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, an international guy or whatever it might be as well. You know, we know the Nets loves their um, getting guys from overseas and, and their project players and draft and stash sort of whatever happens there. Um, the draft is going to be one thing that we've spoken about and we'll continue to speak about, obviously, because of the picks involved and the Alan Crab sort of scenario. Um, but I wouldn't hate Bol Bol. I wouldn't hate, you know, Grant Williams. I wouldn't hate plenty of guys because there is some talent there. They're, they're not going to be, you know, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, you know, Cam Reddish, um, you know, Jar Morant and, and that sort of stretch. But, you know, there, there is some big guys out there. Jalen McDaniels, I don't think is, is, a, is bad either. I think that, you know, he doesn't necessarily, um, he's, you know, um, not the best sort of guy either, but there, there is some guys that could sort of work out. Um, you know, Nicholas Claxton as well, who is you know, projected to be, you know, a, a late first round pick as well. Um, is being talked about to sort of be like a, a plumly sort of type and, you know, has, you know, three and D potential. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, any of those sort of guys, because at the end of the day, you, you want a guy uh, with those latest sort of picks. I think you want to draft a guy who either has, you know, incredible role player potential or incredible upside you don't want any of that sort of in between sort of mark that that's just my personal opinion yeah i agree i think you're looking for to fill out a spot in your roster if it's you know a role player or is it somebody you kind of take a chance on we saw what the nets have done with guys that maybe weren't given the same amount of uh, confidence as other teams in the league so maybe they could turn somebody in this draft into a really good pick or maybe they can find international gem like they did in rodeon so there's still definitely a lot of potential in terms of the draft and like you kind of hinted at we don't even know what's going to happen with the picks yeah, and I think in, in this sense as well, if they're looking to draft a backup big, and I know a lot of people are saying you, we should be drafting a, a starting bigger with Jared Allen, which is just dumb. Um, <laughs> you Are you looking at a guy who, who's had a couple more years in the college system and is a bit more uh, physically ready to, to, to play straight away? Or are you looking for, you know, the, the, the prototype sort of like a bowl bowl who can just come in and sort of, you know, just um, could do all these flashy sort of things, but, you know, is more of a, a project sort of play like we sort of spoke about. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, there's there's plenty of sort of avenues for the Nets to continue to build their roster and continue to take those steps forward. And I think that this offseason more than any other, I mean, every offseason is crucial, um, but with the amount of talent on the roster right now, um, the draft isn't as necessarily heavily stacked and next year is meant to be a, a, a bit more of a deeper draft from what experts say and what a, a lot of guys that I've, I've heard say. Um, but, you know, how you draft is, is as important as, as how you acquire talent and free agency in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, depending on how many picks they have, they could even go the route of taking somebody looking to contribute now and then somebody else are looking to be a long-term project. And like we said, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of trade. Also, we'll be definitely getting on some of the OTG draft guys that talk a little bit more draft for us as well. Definitely. I'm looking forward to draft free agency, all the buzz content. There's uh, still plenty of Nets basketball to chat about in this offseason. Yeah, it's almost too much. But <laughs> as always, Jack, a pleasure talking hoops with you. Check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.